So I want to I want to invite Arco to come forward. Arco is one of our own. Can you show your love for Arco? Can you show your love for Arco? Amen. Amen. So so Arco is one of our own, and God is moving in his heart. Amen, Arco. Amen. His mic is hot. Nice. God is moving in his heart, and we believe as a church that God is going to use this young man. Amen, church. Just like he's using you, just like he's, he wants to, he desires to use every single one of us. And so he's been moved recently. He's been demanding, not asking. He's been demanding to be put up front. So, Abid, I'm killing him, Smalls. So, Brother Arco wants to speak the word of God because that's what God has put in his heart. Amen. God bless you guys. Hi, church. Let's uh, start in the word of prayer. Bow your heads with me. Father God, I ask you to open up our minds and our hearts. Use these words as an instrument to teach and encourage us individually and as a church family, to know you and the things you call us to do daily. We love you because you first loved us. Thank you for that gift. In your most precious name, we pray, amen. amen. Do you love buffets? I love buffets. When I think about buffets, and I think about them often, I remember this one time, Gina and I went out to Las Vegas, and we went to the Rio Buffet. Have you, any of you been there before? Bless you guys. And when we were there, we were without kids, and so it was easy. We were just focused on feeding ourselves, not, not having to get food and then feed them. And I could just focus on our food and enjoy that buffet. And I don't know how long you guys spend at buffets or how long you guys spend eating. Can any of you guys uh, just list, like, how long you guys spend at a buffet? Go ahead, just speak out. At least an hour. An hour? Who else? All right, a few hours. Until they kick you out. All right, I like that. I like that. Amen for that. So, Gina and I, we were there, and it was awesome because there weren't that many people there. That meant there was more food and more fresh food for us. So we got there, and we just enjoyed crab legs that whole time. And it was plate after plate after plate. And we were there for three hours and it didn't stop. And that wasn't a time of resting and talking. I don't know if we just talked at all. We just kept eating and it was so, so good. And yeah, we were so full and so happy and it was a great time. And we've been going through the Bible recently as a church. And as we go through this week, it's the book of John. It's full of so much of Jesus' ministry. It has his miracles. It has his issues with religious leaders. It has his teachings. And it also has his death and resurrection. There's so much to cover in a book in one Sunday. You, you can spend a whole year in the book. But I'm going to try and share just one portion of that today. And if you guys would turn with me, let's turn to John chapter 6. It 
So go ahead and open up your Bibles a little bit past halfway point after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then it's John chapter 6. And let me give you a little bit of context because um, if you weren't able to uh, remember all that you've read or if you didn't have a chance to read, let me catch you up. So at this time, Jesus was being followed by a big crowd. And it wasn't just um, some people who were looking after him and just thought he was cool, but it was in his ministry that he was healing people and he was healing these who were sick and who had never been, I guess, full, if you could say that. And this crowd, they weren't just coming around like as you would with a street performance. You know, you'd get like maybe 20 to 50 people standing around trying to see what's going on. They knew what was going on. They were seeking out Jesus. And they were talking so much about who he is. They were telling everyone else, you've got to come and look at this guy named Jesus. And there were 5,000 men there. And they were differentiating men alone. And so that didn't include men and women. So the crowd was even bigger than 5,000. Jesus poses the question, how are we going to feed all these people? And there's no way they could do that. But he already had a plan. He saw that there was an opportunity. There were five available bread and two fish. He multiplied them. And he was feeding everybody. Imagine the 5,000 plus. It's hard enough to prepare food for, like, yes, just coming over. But he is now feeding people. And they are getting full, like I was talking about. It was, it was to their fill, it says. And afterwards, they collected all that they had um, left over. And they still had 12 baskets full. And they started out with five pieces of bread and two fish. Now the word is getting... Uh, out even more. How did he do this? What is this sign? What is this miracle? We need to find him. And the people, they were anxious because it's been 400 years since they've had their last prophet after their um, last messenger from God who is going to lead the people back to following him. So they're saying, who is this man? Who is this prophet? We must make him king. Let's go find him. And then we see that Jesus escapes. And then the disciples get into a boat. They're waiting in the boat. Where is Jesus? They're waiting. And it gets dark. So they just go on ahead. They go to Capernaum. And about three to four miles out, it starts getting really windy. The water gets really rocky. It gets to the point where they are scared. And what do they see in the waters? There's a man. He's standing on water. What's going on? And it's Jesus. And he says, don't be scared. And he joins them. And then immediately they end up back on land at Capernaum. And so there were those people that were trying to look for Jesus, right? So Jesus escaped at some point. So they were wondering, okay, the disciples left. They went to Capernaum. That's our only clue. That's our chance. Let's go there. So they hop in their boats, they go chasing, and then they go see Jesus. The crowd was wanting their king. And so that's where we are today. If you guys would turn, you guys are already at John chapter 6, correct? All right, let's start at verse 35, and we're going to be working our way through 59.
Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and you still do not believe. All that the Father gives me All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. At this, the Jews began to grumble because he said, What? I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph? We know Joseph and Mary, whose father and mother we know. How can he say now, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me jaws him. And I will... Raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, They will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. I tell you the truth. He who believes has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate the manna in the desert, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him, just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father. So the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your forefathers ate manna and died. But he who feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Amen. I want to give you a disclaimer right now before I see anyone getting up and running out of here for their lives. We are not cannibals. We don't eat flesh. We don't drink blood. When we talk about this, we're talking about the actual bread or drink or wine. This is referring to the communion that we share when we have the symbols of bread or cracker or wine or grape juice. And uh, we are also talking about any time that we eat and any time that we drink, we remember to think about Jesus. So most of you already know this, but you never know who comes in and thinks that, what is going on? What did he just say? You guys are eating flesh and blood? Oh, man. So, if you're hearing this for the first time, I'm asking you to stick around for the rest of the service, please. 
So what does it mean to eat the bread of eternal life? Eating the bread of eternal life means you will never hunger again. Verse 35 and 38. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. And verse 38. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. So that phrase, I am the bread of life, it has an echo of Exodus 3.14, where God says to Moses, I am who I am. He's talking about his name. And now Jesus is using that name of I am to point to himself as uh, God. And um, in John, there are several I am's where it says, like, I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. I am the life of the resurrection and the life and so on. Jesus is describing the people of the crowd like my daughter Evie. I don't know if you guys know her. She is a year and a half years old. And she's always eating. (laughs) Always, always eating. She's always looking for food. So anytime I'm in the kitchen, she already knows. Like her senses go off. Or anytime she hears a rapper, she comes up. Um, um. And that's her, her... verbiage of saying I want food feed me um 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 so anytime and I know this and I'm trying to open some snacks really quietly just so she doesn't come and I don't want to share because I love food I love food she knows it she comes in papa um um I'm like oh man okay and I don't know. I don't get it. She eats and eats. She eats my food. She eats Gina's meal. She eats some of Kara's food. And she still asks for snacks after. It, it just goes down. I don't understand where it goes. And she still keeps asking, um. So that crowd is hungry, just like her. In Hawaiian Gardens at my previous church, I started a ministry to the homeless, and we called it Change for Change. We asked for donations, and from there, we would put together um food and hygiene packages and we would run out to the city just looking for anybody who was having need um, and you know we gave them food but it was only temporary they were hungry again and you know we do that here at Boyle Heights we offer food but it only can go so far they'll be hungry again the difference between us and some other secular programs that also feed the homeless is that we offer the bread of life we know Jesus. We have hope. So the people of the crowd in John 6 were looking for another sign. They were looking for more free food because Jesus can offer it. He can give it and we can be full and it's good. But they were just wanting to be physically met, not anything else. Jesus is the spiritual fulfillment of their needs. He is the spiritual fulfillment of our needs. Jesus is offering a spiritual buffet that we can go to 24-7 for eternity. Now that we know we have been spiritually fed, let's see how we can be fed. 
eating the bread of life, eating the bread of eternal life, means you believe in Jesus. Believe. Let me talk about belief. I'm going to ask uh, David to play a, a quick movie clip from us. You might remember from Indiana Jones. And, uh, yeah, he's going to be taking a, a step of some sort. We'll take a look. Jones had a clue. He had some knowledge, but he didn't see what was in front of him, right? So he had faith. He trusted and he acted. Imagine an NFL team. They glance at a brand new playbook just for five seconds during their offseason, you know, while they're in training, and then they just did everything else. And then when it came down to it, they made their way all the way to the Super Bowl. And the coach says, we're going to use these plays that I made, but we never looked at or anything like that. But we're okay. And what do you guys think would happen? It can't be done. You can't win. You can't, you can't even complete a play, probably. It means that you have to know you have to take in that knowledge and you have to delve into it. You have to absorb. You can't just look at something briefly. You can't look at your Bible for five seconds. You can't just look at an app on your phone that says a verse for five seconds and then get on with the rest of your day. That's not enough. You need to absorb. You need to know. In the book of John alone, we can know that Jesus is loving to others especially to humble sinners, strangers, people undeserving. And that sounds like all of us. Know him and abide in him. But what is abide? We see that in the Bible a few times. But what does that mean? It means to act in accord with, to submit to, to remain steadfast or keep faithful to. Keep. So abide with Jesus. That means to act accordance with Jesus, to submit to Jesus, to agree to Jesus, to remain steadfast or faithful to Jesus. Think about your best friend. Think about the person that's closest in your life. 
they didn't just become that person out of nowhere. They became that person because of the amount of time you spent with them. Jesus is asking that of us. Spend time with him to know him, believe in him, and abide in him. Eating the bread of life means you will enter into a relationship where Jesus wants to be with you for eternity. Let me read verses 37 to 40. All that the Father gives to me will come to me. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And then move on ahead to verse 51. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. And then verse 56 and 57. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. That means he will never cast us out. He will never lose any one of us because he is holding onto us so dearly. He is saving us for eternity. The Son of God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, has chosen you. How incredible is that? He asked us to abide in him. And he too will abide in us. It's not just a one-way street. He comes to us. He's always reaching out to us. But remember, he reached us first. We all have had relationships where People will let us down. Jesus will be faithful to you. He will always be faithful to you. He will never let you down. And the last day refers to the day of resurrection, when we will die here on earth. But it's only our physical bodies. But our heavenly bodies and our spirit will be raised up to join him in heaven. Let me illustrate this for you. Hold on one second. I have a rope. I have a rope. It goes on forever. You can't even see. It just keeps going on and on and on. This is your life. This is existence for you. But look, why is this part different? Do you see it? This little orange bit? This is your life on earth. What's the rest of this? This is your eternal life. Wow. How many of us focus on our lives so much that it's the biggest deal? We're focusing on this little bit. 
the Bible. Jesus tells us to focus on here. But we're so consumed, we can't let go of this. That makes it seem like our problems are pretty small, doesn't it? But you know what's crazy? Whatever we do in this area dictates what happens in this area. Jesus calls us to be faithful to him. He calls us to believe in him. He calls us to abide in him. He calls us to spend an eternity with him. This is the bread. This is the buffet. And he's offering it to all of us. How will you start to live from now on? Jesus is the bread from heaven. Have there been times where life seems to be going different than you had planned? Oh, man, all the time. I'm talking to myself here. Have there been times where relationships are hard? Have there been times where maybe work is full of issues left and right? Do you ever think there has to be more than this? Think back on those times. Think back to right now if you're in that. Think about is there a correlation with the amount of time that you have been spending with Jesus? Is it lacking in your relationship with Jesus? Is that why my life is lacking? Regardless of what happens in our lives, even if all of this still was going on and we were, weren't having life go to plan, we weren't having our relationships work out, even though uh, our work was just being really difficult, we could still be really happy. The difference is how full of you, how full are you of Jesus? So right now, if you guys are hungry, some of us are really hungry. We could use a buffet right about now. We say this all the time, read your Bible. But it's hard. I won't understand it. I don't know the ancient languages. We can know so much even without all of that. God is faithful. God has given us a spirit to understand him. He tells you to abide in him, to know him. But he won't just tell you that without giving you an opportunity to. He gives you all the tools. He gives us resources online if we're really wanting to get deep into it. He gives us... Do an exercise with me. Look left and look right. Do you see people around you? That's another opportunity right there. You can talk about anything that you've learned or anything you don't know, so that way you can feed each other. Dang! Ooh. You can join a Bible study. You can join a ministry. Pastor Rick was just talking about how we can uh, use our gifts in ways so that way we can be part of ministry. It's not about just being in the worship team or uh, in um, leadership. You can serve. God's called you to serve. He's called you to reach out to your brothers and sisters by the way that he's reached you. 
Or will you say, you're still too busy for it all? I got a lot going on, God. Don't let that be an excuse. Don't let that be a door for the devil to enter. Remember that you make time for other people and other things in your life. You can make time and let God speak to your heart and guide you every day. Jesus wants you to say yes to him more often than you say no. Pascal's wager. Have any of you heard that term before? Pascal's wager. I'll say it one more time. This is a 17th century argument by a man named Pascal. So he said that people act and live out their lives by what they believe. Does that make sense? People act out and live their lives based on what they believe. And that they bet with their lives that God either exists or doesn't exist. Pascal argues that a rational person should live as though God exists. You might miss out on a few events. You might miss out on certain pleasures. You might miss out on luxuries and things that you see other people taking part in. But you would receive a life full of being content, of love, of joy, and having an infinite gain. Infinite gain, remember. And a relationship with God. But an irrational person, they would love their life as though God does not exist. They would live as if there were no rules to live by. There's no moral, there's no... Um, Nothing, no standard to go by. It's just living. It's just life, right? They can do things that can make them happy. They can enjoy things like materials or sex or build up their own pride and see what I have. But if God does not exist, it would just mean that they had a short life and nothing would really matter anyway. But, and this is a big but, this is where the wager comes in. If God does exist, they would receive only that temporary happiness because they wouldn't be content with what they have. They wouldn't have love. They would receive an infinite loss like an eternal life away from God in hell, in suffering. Do you want to take that wager? Do you want to take that bet? So how will you spend your eternity? That starts now. How will you wager your life and spend each moment? How will you handle the temptations of our flesh in the world asking you to strive for success, to be awesome in your career, to have a certain look, to focus on riches, to desire the wrong pleasures, to be in your own selfishness, and everything but Jesus. Jesus is offering you the bread of life today and every day. Will you choose eternal joy, a life of love, and a heavenly family? What will you do with it? Jesus is the bread of life. So let's have the worship team come up and let's bow our heads in prayer. 
Lord Jesus, you are the gift that we do not deserve. You choose us moment and moment again, even after we do not choose you over and over again. Remind us constantly of your goodness that you are the bread of life that fulfills our every need. Draw to us your words, fellowship with you and fellowship with others around us so we can hold on to you. In our gratitude, because we do not deserve you, but you love us. In your most holy name we pray. Amen.
He had an invaluable message, an eternal message. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He was offering mankind salvation, and he's still doing the same today. And when we yield our lives to him, as our goal was telling us, when we submit, when we consecrate ourselves, he used the word abide over and over again, which is a term in the New Testament and the Bible that actually applies to this thing called faith, this thing called Christianity. He wants us to abide in him because there are ultimate benefits. I like that rope. Did you like that rope? I mean, just think, the Bible says in the New Testament that life is just, it's like a little vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Our lives in this natural, this side of heaven, just like that, appears for a little while and it's gone compared to eternity. But it's not always easy to embrace the words of Jesus Christ, right? It's not always easy. I mean, he preached the gospel, he performed the miracles, the people came, his disciples had repeatedly heard the message of the cross, and they were yielding themselves to him, but he got to a point where they needed him, they needed Christ to give them added comfort. And I like the passage in John 14, 1, where he speaks of the mansions in heaven. He wanted to, he wanted to, love to, he wanted to continue enhancing this eternal perspective with them. They understood this side, but they also understood that Jesus wasn't always going to be with them. So he speaks to them concerning the eternal hope, but it's going to exist on the other side. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to their match. Amen, somebody. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to the streets of gold. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to spending eternity in the presence of the Almighty God. How many believe that? How many believe that? Let me see your hand. Let me see your hand. Listen, we have to believe that. We have to believe that. It's a part of abiding in Christ. It's a part of abiding in Christ. Stand with me as we close the service together. Make sure you, you show your love to Arco as he is endeavoring to fulfill God's purpose in his life. Amen. Amen. I think we all have to endeavor to fulfill God's purpose in our lives. Cry hands with me. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for this moment, for this hour, for this instance. We thank you so much for speaking into us today. Words of life. Words that edify Words that enhance. Words that transform. You offer yourself to us. You want us to consume. You want us to take part. To receive the bread of life that you have for us. And we do so freely today. Father, that's exactly why we are here today. Because we want to be a part of you, Lord God. And we thank you for it. We pray your blessings on you people. We pray your blessings on your visitors here today. We ask that you be with us today, tomorrow, and for the rest of our lives. Help us to come back, Lord God, to give you the glory and the honor and the praise. These things we ask in Jesus' name and God's people say. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great day.